We're in part three of our study in the book of Philippians. And uh, last week we talked about joy no matter what you go through. Um, how many of you had opportunity to test that? Joy no matter what you go through. We talked about some secrets to experiencing joy no matter what you go through. And one is keeping your mental focus on the right things. Two, maintaining a lifestyle of prayer. Number three, learning to trust God in all circumstances. And uh, that song that we sang today, Maria exhorted us, but, you know, God is faithful, isn't he? So we can trust him. You know, somebody said, true joy is not the absence of problems. True joy is the presence of God. Amen. I, I like that. Isn't that good? Hudson Taylor, he was a famous or uh, uh, incredible missionary and, and had a tremendous impact in China. In fact, uh, a number of years ago, I went to China uh, and uh, Derek and uh, Chris Gumper and I, we went to China and we were uh, teaching some leaders and there was an older leader there. And um, uh, as we were talking to him, found out that somewhere like his great grandpa or something like that, got saved under Hudson Taylor's ministry. And since that time, he was like third generation Christian. And then he had children that were serving all because of Hudson Taylor's life. And he underwent uh, incredible odds in China to preach the gospel. But uh, he said this uh, concerning difficult circumstances and situations. He said, it doesn't really matter how great the pressure of problems we face. It only matters where the pressure lies. If you see to it that it never comes between you and the Lord. Then the greater the pressure, the more it will press you into the Lord's breast. Amen. Problems can the very circumstances that would want to steal your joy can enhance your joy. Amen? We can have joy no matter what. Now listen to this verse of Scripture. 1 Thessalonians 5.16 says, Always be joyful. That is one of the shortest verses of the Bible. You know, the shortest is Jesus wept. That's two words. But here it is. Always be joyful. Verse 16. Verse 17. Never stop praying. Verse 18, whatever happens, give thanks because it is God's will in Christ Jesus that you do this. Now, the Apostle Paul says it's God's will that we always be joyful. God's will is that we're always joyful. The problem is that many times we lose our joy through the problems of life, right? We lose our ability to laugh. You know, how many of you know laughter is a good thing? How many of you had a good belly laugh and after you felt... Oh, that felt good. Amen. When's the last time you had a good laugh? Sometimes we're too self-controlled and we don't allow ourselves to laugh. Amen. And um, we lose our sense of humor. How many of you know it's good to have a sense of humor? And, you know, humor is an indication that you're not taking yourself or life too seriously. And humor is an indication you're taking time to enjoy life. Come on, life is short. And there's going to be a lot of bumps in the road. And I like what Brother Larry said. You know, laugh as often as much as you can because there will come a day when you can wish that you could even just smile. Life has a way of handing you those circumstances, right? So we need to have joy. How many of you live in a joyful life no matter what? You know, I was thinking this week, Tanya and I were working together, tearing down a, a shed, and uh, my finger came between a board and another board, and it smashed. You know, one of those smashes where you got to drill a hole in your nail, and, you know, 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hallelujah. I, I didn't know what to say. I just lifted up my finger. And I just said, holy, holy, holy. Tiny's been laughing at me since. I figured she said he was using those four letter words. Holy, holy. You know, but it was an opportunity to totally lose your joy. And then coupled on that is just like, I want to be finished with this joy stuff. Amen. Because it seems like when you start talking about it, the Lord say, really? Are you serious? Are you really believing that? So, so uh, yesterday was our anniversary. Me and my bride have successfully completed 22 years. Amen. And by the way, we're still happily married. And uh, so, so uh, I tried my best to get my sermon done so we could spend some time. It was yesterday, our anniversary. And so uh, yesterday we were spending time together and did some things. And uh, I got home last night and I uh, was getting ready, getting all my stuff ready for church this morning. And uh, I, I do my sermons on my laptop and I just noticed, um, where's my laptop? I knew I had it in my truck because uh, I got my iPad out of it earlier, but I couldn't find it nowhere in the house. And then it dawned on me, man, I think somebody stole my laptop with my sermon. <laughs> and so I'm like having panic mode, right? And so Tanya and Olivia, encouraging the brethren, says, count it all joy. <laughs> you know, be joyful. You know, hey, you're talking about joy. And I, was, I wanted to say, would you just be quiet? I can't have joy right now. And so the good thing is I had that sermon on iPad and I was able to retrieve it. Praise the Lord. Somebody give the Lord an amen. Amen. But, you know, opportunities to lose your joy. We all have them. We got to constantly working on being living a joy. Always be joyful. The Apostle Paul said God wants us to be joyful no matter what. As we continue our study of the book of Philippians, you know, I realize that as we study the book of Philippians, it's as much a study of the life of Paul as it is the letter. In fact, you know, I love studying people like athletes that are very successful. It's very interesting to find out their behaviors, their lifestyle, what they do, how to become successful in that area of their life. And you know, when it comes to Christianity, it's good to examine people that have been successful. How many of you would agree that the Apostle Paul was successful in his Christianity? I mean, you know, he wrote a good portion of the New Testament. And I didn't write anything. So he did better than me, right? But you know, as you look closer to his letter, we can discover some clues to why Paul enjoyed such a joyful life. And as I was thinking about that, I wanted to go back and look at chapter 1 before we move on. Look closer at chapter 1 of the life of Paul and try to draw some insights to a joyful life. And there's going to be four that we're going to talk about today. Insight number one to a joyful life, I believe, is a thankful heart. A thankful heart. In Philippians 1.3, Paul said this, Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Paul had a thankful heart towards God. What does having a thankful heart have to do with having a joyful life? Well, someone with a thankful heart, I believe, is someone who has the ability to, to see the good things that are happening in their life. How many of you know there's always something good happening in your life? 
if you look for it. In fact, how many of you are Christian today? How many of you know that's enough to make you thankful the rest of your life right there? Amen? Listen, thankfulness is a heart of gratitude to God for his blessings in your life. It's what it is. In fact, a thankful heart is a worshipful heart. The Apostle Paul said, every time I think of you, I give thanks to God. I give thanks to my God. Whenever you learn to be thankful, it helps you to put your eyes on God and it helps you to have a worshipful life. Amen? A thankful heart is a worshipful life. Paul's thankful, thankfulness for the Philippians or for the Philippian church caused him to give thanks to God. How many of you know that's important? In other words, Paul's thankfulness caused him to just live and worship to God. And I, that's what I was trying to do when I smashed my finger. Holy, holy. Lord, I know I'm supposed to worship you, but I'm, tr- I'm struggling. Holy. How many of you have been there before? A heart, a thankful heart is a worshipful heart. But number two, a thankful heart experiences God. The Bible says in Philippians or Psalms 100 and verse four, enter his gates with thanksgiving, go into his courts with praise, give thanks to him and praise his name. The psalmist learned that a thankful heart is a worshipful heart. But the psalmist also learned that a worshipful heart is a heart who experiences God's presence. How many of you know God's presence is a good thing? A heart of who experiences God's presence is one who experiences God's joy. Because the Bible says in Psalms 16 and 11, you will make known to me the path of light. In your presence is the fullness of joy. How many of you know that joy is a function of the Spirit? Joy comes in the presence of God and thankfulness. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. There's something about giving God thanks for the blessings in your life. It first of all gets you focused off the negative things, but it puts you in a position to experience God's presence. And with God's presence is the fullness of joy, which means to be totally satisfied and exceedingly glad. So how could Paul have joy being in prison? Well, he got to the place where he was just thankful for God. God, I'm really not excited about where I am right now in my location. But Lord, I am thankful that the Philippian church was born and their believers getting saved every day and that you're evangelizing Philippi. He had an ability to see what was positive. What word would you say best describes your life? A thankful heart or an ungrateful heart? Because you know what I found? An ungrateful heart doesn't have much joy in their life. An ungrateful heart is one who is unappreciative and rarely satisfied with their circumstances and situations. You know, they could be fed with a silver spoon, but they wanted it in gold. A thankful heart is one who is very appreciative for their blessings and is easily satisfied with their circumstances and situations. Some people, just, they just have a tough time being thankful because they're always looking at the, un, the negative and they're very ungrateful. A thankful heart is an attitude that can be cultivated. How many of you know that? It can be cultivated. A heart of ungratefulness is cultivated by focusing on the negative and what you don't have. And a heart of thankfulness is 
cultivated by focusing on the positive and the blessings you do have. Amen? Come on, are y'all with me out there? So listen, if you want joy in your life, you got to get good at not looking at all the bad, but start looking at the good and say, Oh, bless God. I'm not, I'm, I might feel like I'm in prison today, but bless God. Whenever I die, I'm going to heaven. Amen. Amen. The worst thing that could happen to me is I die and then I get transferred. I get, I get, oh, come on. I graduate onto the other side. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Take the time to cultivate a thankful heart. You know, I've noticed this by this verse right here. I'll get in the presence of God and, and I'll just start. You got to work at it. And I'll just start, Lord, let me make a mental list of what I'm grateful for. And man, I tell you, don't matter the condition. It doesn't matter the situation. But if you start focusing on giving God thanks for the blessings in your life, it's going to change your emotional life. Do y'all believe that this morning? If you believe that, say amen. 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 A heart of thankfulness. Insight number two to a joyful life is a loving heart. A loving heart. In Philippians 1.8, I believe Paul had a very loving heart. He says in verse 8, God knows how much I love you and I long for you with the tender compassion of Christ Jesus. Paul loved the Philippian church. Verse 9, I pray that your love will overflow more and more and you will keep on growing in the knowledge and understanding. Paul's heart was filled with love. He loved the Philippians. He loved them so much and he desired so much that the church would be filled with love. Listen, a loving people will be a joyful people. Amen? You know, listen, the more selfish you are, It just goes with the territory. The more selfish you are, sir, the less joy you're going to have in your life. Selfishness is a joy killer. It's a joy stealer. And so we got to be careful that we're not being so selfish that it's the world revolves around us and it has to be about me and what I want and how I want it. I'll tell you, you might be able to get that to some extent, but with that, you're going to lose the joy of the Lord in your life. But to the contrary, a loving people will be a joyful people. First John 4.16 says, We know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in His love. God is love. And all who live in love live in God. And God lives in them. Where does joy come from? Where's the joy of the Lord come from? Well, Galatians 5 says that it's a fruit of the Spirit, right? It's in God. It's in, it's in, it's in the presence of God. It comes from God Himself. And so, God, John says, God is love and those who love live in God and God lives in them. If you love, you live in God and God lives in you. Every time you do anything in an act of love, you will be tapping into God. And every time you tap into God, you're going to feel the presence of God. And along with the presence of God, you have this thing called joy. Amen. 
In fact, you know, they have done, they have done tests and they've taken people that are, that are depressed, that are, can't get out of the molly grubs, and they get them down there to the diner to serve the homeless or feed the hungry. They get them out of their circumstance and get them focusing on somebody else's circumstance. And without taking an antidepressant pill, they start to get out of depression. Why? Because they're tapping into the love of God because God is love and those who love will be in God. And when you're in God, you're going to feel the joy of the Lord. Come on. Let me hear you say amen there. Now, how do you develop a loving heart if you don't, you know, listen, it's natural for us to not be loving. It's natural. It takes work. How many of you know that love is a verb that requires action. So you can't just pray and say, Lord, fill me with your love. Help me to be loving and never leave that prayer meeting. Sooner or later, you're going to have to leave that prayer meeting. and You're going to have to go do something for somebody. Right? Love is a verb that requires action. And the, the best place to practice it is in the home. A good way to develop a loving heart is loving your family. And it's also practicing 1 Corinthians 13. You're familiar with it, right? How do you develop a loving heart? Verse 4, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. It keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith. It is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. So 1 Corinthians 13 says, you develop a loving heart by learning to be more patient and kind. You develop a loving heart by dealing with jealousy, staying away from being boastful, proud, and rude to others. You quit demanding things, that they go your way. You be careful not to be easily irritated, uh, irritated. Forgive those who wrong you. Don't give up or lose faith in people. Be hopeful and endure through difficult circumstances with people. Wow. How many of you know that? Let's close in prayer and let's go work on this. I mean, that's enough to work on for at least a week, right? But here it is. And you know, the thing is, you know, you, we've all run into people that are rude right? They're rude. They're ugly. They're harsh. We've all been, we've all run into people that are impatient. You know what impatience is? Is your flesh not getting your way. It's what it is really, right? We've all dealt with those and we've all, we've all had that on our block, right? We've all had that on our corner, right? But see all of that, listen, the more irritable you are with life, the more rude you are, the more unkind you are, the more harsh you are. Every time you do that, it's like stealing a little bit of joy out of your life. Sure, you can be ugly and you can be rude and you can walk away and I told them what I thought and there they are bleeding and you feel good about yourself. But I promise you, you're not going to experience the joy of the Lord when you live that kind of lifestyle. Amen. Listen, the happiest people are those who are looking to serve other people, to help other people. The more loving you are, the more joyful you be. How could Paul have so much joy? He wasn't, it wasn't about Paul. It was about how he could serve people. 
Amen. He was looking. Here he is in prison for preaching the gospel. And instead of wondering about, can I have another cake? Can I have another piece of, you know, musty, you know, moldy bread or whatever it is they might have had. He wasn't even concerned about himself. Let me write a letter to the Philippian church. I want to encourage them. I want to be kind to them. I want to reach out to them. And all the while he was doing that, he was getting filled with the love of God and the joy of the Lord. Amen. The bottom line, selfish people are always very sad people, but loving people are very joyful people. Insight number three for a joyful life is a righteous heart. A righteous heart. Paul's desire was that the church be filled with the righteous character of Jesus Christ. Righteous character. Philippians 1.11, Paul said, May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. Now let me stop and just start all over again for just a second. What's the purpose of this sermon? The purpose of this sermon is, is that we learn many ways how not to live a joyful life. And we don't even realize we do things and all the while we're like sabotaging God's joy in our life. But if we'll learn, it's kind of like you could do certain things that'll cause you to lose joy, but you can do certain things that'll cause you to gain joy. Does that make sense? And so the more things that you do that cause you to gain joy, the more joyful you will be. Amen. And so listen, so we're talking about insights that'll help you gain more joy, not just gain it, but maintain it and live in it. Amen. And so the third insight from Paul's life that I believe that he brings out is a righteous heart. And he says, listen, I pray, uh, may you be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. Paul desired for the Philippian church to be filled with righteous character. Now, what does that mean, and how does that have anything to do with joy? Well, how many of you know that righteous character can produce joy in your life? See, righteous character is the the judicial act of God to pardon and forgive your sins. It's a judicial act of God. God can do that. How many of you know that? So, it's, a, it's the state and position of a born-again believer after they become a Christian and ask Jesus to forgive their sins. Righteous character means being in right standing with God after you've asked them to wash your heart from all iniquity. Amen? So it's a heart that has been made right with God. And what does righteousness, righteous character have to do with joy we have to realize that anytime we transgress the law of God, anytime we break the law of God, it's like taking a withdrawal of joy out of our bank. It's like taking another withdrawal. Sure, we might be able to lie at work and we get away with it and nobody ever finds out, but we will always lose some joy in our life when we do that. Unrighteousness steals joy out of your life. The psalmist said in Psalm 32 and 2, Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. When I refuse to confess my sin, my body wasted away and groan all day long. Day and night your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Now what was the psalmist saying? Man, whenever I, whenever I didn't get, keep my heart right with God, I lost strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Right? And so he says, listen, 
unconfessed sin will cause you to lose your strength. He said, day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. You know, some, listen, some people suffer with, say, unhappiness, depression, discouragement. And they're looking for the solution. And they think, well, if I get another relationship, if I get another guy, if I get another girl, if I'm, if I'm, not, if I'm not single anymore, I'll be done with that. Or if I get a better job, if I make more money. You know, and, and sometimes we, were, we try to look to circumstances to give us joy in our life, never realizing that the real, the real uh, enemy of joy in our life is because we're not living uprightly before God. Does that make sense, saints of God? And so listen, let me just mention for just a second that it's not just for people that are not saved. You can be saved and living in immorality. Can I get a better witness? And so you say, well, I don't live in immorality, but do you lie on your taxes? You see what I'm saying? So you could be a Christian and you could still be violating the laws of God. And you, hey, listen, you might get to go to heaven when you die, but you're not going to enjoy the fullness of joy. Amen. And so listen, a repentant heart experiences God's joy. Psalm 32 and 1, he says, Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. A righteous heart is one whose sins have been forgiven. A righteous heart is one who's confessed and repented of their sin. And you know, it happens all the time. That people that, they, it seems like they've had a cloud over their life for years. And they get saved. They get born again. And people notice that work. Man, what's going on with you? What do you mean what's going on with me? I didn't tell you nothing, man. Yeah, but what's that smile on your face? Well, a smile's a smile, man. You know, God gave us the ability to smile. Yeah, but it's, it's strange to be on your face. So what you mean? Well, you see, you seem like you were never happy, man. But now it seems like you got some joy in your life. And they don't even know what they, they lost. They just notice something's different. What is that? Tell you what it is. It's getting right with God. It's what it is. And so listen, your heart, you can be a Christian and your heart one, listen. You can be a Christian and your heart wander away. You're going to lose your joy. You're going to lose your happiness. You're going to lose the joy of the Lord. So this is not about just people that are not saved. This is people that are saved as well. If you get your heart right with God, I tell you, you're going to be adding some joy into your tank instead of taking some out. Amen? Isn't that great news? Amen. Now listen what Proverbs 28, 13 says. People who conceal their sins will not prosper, but if they confess and turn from them... They will receive mercy. And I I submit to you that with mercy will come the joy of the Lord, which is our strength. Insight number four. A joyful life is a heart committed to doing God's will. Two different paths we can live on. The path of God's will or the path of our own will. God's will, my will. You know, the whole thing about Christianity is you got to surrender to your will and you got to be willing to take up God's will, right? That's, that's a fact. He said, if you want to be my follower, 
take up your cross, which means die to yourself, and follow me. But again, let me just reiterate that that's not just about being a Christian. A relationship can be out of the will of God. A job can be out of the will of God. Amen? You can be a Christian and be out of the will of God. Because you could be a Christian totally wanting to do your own thing and not do what God wants. But look what Paul says, Philippians 1 and 20. I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or die. For to me, living means living for Christ. And dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me. But for your sakes, it's better that I continue to live. Once again, here he is. He's facing life or death. And he says, listen, man, if I die, praise the Lord. No more bills, man. No more humidity. I mean, it would be better for me. I'm not going to get beat anymore. I'm not going to get persecuted anymore. I'm going to be done with all that. But for you, it would be better for me to stay. And so what what does all this have to, to do? Paul is saying, I'm living my life for one reason. I'm living for Christ. I'm living for Christ. Paul experienced this joy because he was living not for his own agenda, but for God's agenda. Amen. That's his whole purpose. And listen, if we will live not for our agenda, but for God's agenda, I'm telling you, that is the path of joy. Doing his will, not doing my will. Amen. Listen, Jonah's a perfect example of how you can be a Christian living in the joy of the Lord, not obeying God, getting out of the will of God and losing your joy altogether. That's a perfect example of it. And so Paul's saying, listen, man, in verse 21, for me, for to me, living means living for Christ. Living to please God releases joy in your life. You know, it's kind of like whenever you're not living in the will of God, you're doing your own will. It's like trying to swim upstream. Have you ever been whitewater rafting? Can you imagine trying to go the opposite way on your tube? You know, I mean, veins popping out and here you are rowing. And man, the, the harder you row, the more you get down the river. But you know what? Listen, going against the will of God, I, that's like trying to swim upstream. It's like, yeah, life is going to be tiring. You're going to get exhausted. And you're going to get so tired and exhausted that joy is going to evaporate out of your life. It would be better, listen, if you get in the will of God and go downstream. Now all you got to do is a little guidance, keep you off the rocks, you know, and you get to do kind of like a little, you know, roller coaster ride sometimes. It's a much different life. So question for you, which one are you living for? Notice what the word of God says. In Hebrews 10, 36, patient endurance is what you need now so that you will, so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he's promised. Everybody wants to receive God's promises. They want to receive God's blessings. But those promises and blessings comes with doing the will of God. Right? 
God's blessings and provisions comes to those who are willing to go with the will of God, not against the will of God. So you can get away with it. I won't know it. Maybe even your spouse won't know it. Your parents might not know it. But I'll tell you who will know it. The all-knowing God who has all the resources. Amen? And he can't reward you for going your own way, doing your own thing. You're going to think he approves of that. So all of a sudden, he's got to use what, he, what, what the Bible calls discipline to make you realize that, man, that's not the way you want to go, my sister, my brother. Go with God. That's where the blessings are. Amen. One of God's promises is joy, right? Remember John 15. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in His love. I have told you this so that you, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Listen, some people don't have joy because they're doing their own thing. And if they will just surrender their life to Jesus and say, Lord, anything you want me to do, I'm going to do, I My goal is not to serve myself, but to serve you. Joy would come to their life. How many of you agree with that? Amen. So let's conclude. Let's conclude this morning. What's the main focus of your life? If somebody described your life with one word, what is it? Are you living for money? Is is the the overshadowing drive of your life a relationship? Is it school? Is it a hobby? What is the center of your life? What would describe with one word your life? If it is not Jesus Christ, then your joy is fleeting. Your joy can be stripped out from under you anytime. But if you put Jesus Christ in the box, that above my relationships, above my job, above my education, above anything else in my life, Jesus Christ is number one. Nobody can rob the joy out from under you. Amen? Because nobody can pull your relationship with Jesus Christ away. Your relationships might fall on the wayside. You might lose all your money. You might go through a lot of... You might not get the diploma, whatever it is. But I promise you one thing. Your relationship will be intact for all eternity. And you will never lose the joy of the Lord. Because the joy of the Lord is in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? Yes, indeed. So do you get this? Do you get this? The joy of the Lord. Would you stand with me? Let's close in prayer. A recipe for joy. Come on, let's just do a quick review. Just just close your eyes with me. Just come on, let this sink into your heart today. You know, I believe sometimes we underestimate the voice of God because it comes through the frailty of man. And you could miss God maybe speaking to you today because I said it. But you're a sheep if you're a born-again Christian and you, you hear His voice. And God speaks to His children. And He wants us, as we read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, always be joyful. That's the will of God for us. How do you get there? First of all, have a thankful heart. Instead of an ungrateful heart, 
Is it never salty enough for you? Is it never hot enough for you? Is it ne- are you never satisfied, always ungrateful? If you would just make a decision today, you know what? Instead of looking at all the negative things, I'm going to just start thanking God for the blessings in my life. Amen? Start with the blessing that Jesus came to die on the cross for you. That's a good place to start, right? And then maybe, maybe that's not your issue. Just take a moment. How many of you say today, Todd, man, I just tend to have an ungrateful heart. I'm never happy. I'm never happy with circumstances. Come on, just let, just be honest with God. You don't have to raise your hand. Just be honest with God. What about a, a loving heart versus a selfish heart? Come on, how many of you are just like stuck and is forced for helping somebody else, doing something for everybody else? It's, it hadn't even hit your radar screen. But today you realize, man, you know what? I, it's a verb. It's an action. I go do something. I, I, I give something to somebody else. Maybe the Lord is just working on you today and saying, hey, man, you need to just get out of that selfish mode and start helping people. How about a righteous heart? There might be some here today. In fact, there's enough people in this room that just by the law of odds, because of the temptations that we face in life, maybe right where you are, you just need to just get your heart right with God. Maybe your heart is veering away from the will of God. Come on, how many of you would today say, I need to surrender to God. I need to give my life to Christ. Now listen, if you hear today, And you've never, ever asked Jesus to forgive your sins. It's an amazing thing. You know, listen, I was raised in church. I went to church and I prayed prayers, but I had never heard about the salvation thing, about asking Jesus to wash my heart, cleanse my heart, and surrender to Him. And man, whenever I heard that, and and I didn't even really fully understand it, but I knew I needed it because I knew I was going the wrong way. I wasn't happy with life. I wasn't joyful. And I surrendered. That changed my life. That changed my life. And maybe you're here today and you say, Todd, pray for me because I want to be a Christian. I want to go the right way. I don't want to swim upstream. I want to be born again. And I want you to pray for me. If that's you, just raise your hand real quickly. I'm believing that today you're going to turn your life around. There you go. I see your hand. Anybody else? Just raise your hand and say, Todd, pray for me. It's your acknowledgement. That's what I need, God. I need my sins washed away. Now, maybe some of you here today, you might be a Christian, but maybe you're struggling with the will of God. Just make a decision right where you are and just say, Lord, I surrender. Father in heaven, I thank you, Lord, that your joy is our strength and that we can have it. Lord, it's in you. It's the fullness of joy. And I pray today that, God, you would help us to live out every one of these insights that we gather from the life of Paul. Lord, to incorporate them into our life, that, Lord, we might live a joy-filled, contagious, outrageous life that others see in, in us that causes them even to want to know Jesus Christ. Lord, may there be a smile on our face. May there be a laughter in our heart. May there be humor back into our our homes, God. May the joy of the Lord be present in every house, I pray in Jesus' name. And everybody that agreed said, Amen.